Greetings and Happy New Year from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Los Alamos, New Mexico. As a congregation, we honor the inherent worth and dignity of each person, and we celebrate the interdependence of all life. We come together to learn from each other, to draw inspiration from many sources, and to work together to create communities of greater justice and compassion. Whoever you are, whomever you love, wherever you are on your life's journey, you are welcome here. My name is Sue Watts, and I'll be your worship associate for the day. Since our minister, the Reverend John Culloden, is taking the day off, I am delighted to welcome Dr. Renee Mitchell, a member of our congregation, one who has set the tone for the service today and who will be delivering the homily. Renee has been devoting the past months of quarantine to help our, helping our Director of Lifespan Religious Education, Artina Dio, to deliver online children's activities that can help lessen the trauma that this period is inflicting on the youngest members of our community. She feels our congregation can be a force to help reduce the fear and the burdens of this time. She wants us all to remember that it is always darkest before the dawn, but that the dawn is coming. Welcome. This is a blessing on New Year's intention settings by Athena Paracas. And as you meditate on the year ahead, speak these words at the first new moon of the new year. Or you can come back and listen to this again. And the new moon will begin on January 12th. I seek to align myself more deeply in the year ahead with my Creator's plan for my life, accessing my deepest wisdom. Great Spirit, I ask for your blessing upon my intentions. Please offer me the strength, courage, and resolve to pursue my dreams, even when I am afraid or unsure of my steps. May my efforts support the highest good of all, and may I be in divine service to all my kind. 
I come to you, Great Spirit, for wisdom about my path. I seek information, insight, and vision as I move in the world, helping to align my efforts and actions with my soul's purpose for incarnating in this lifetime. And guide my hand as I aim my arrows of hope and beauty. I ask for the strength to move gracefully and purposefully toward my becoming. May the year ahead be blessed in every way. And may I attract the resources I need to do your will. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge in freedom, to serve life in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each and with all.
This is the Metta Karuna Prayer by Christopher Kakuyo Labo, who kindly gave me permission to read this poem to you. Oneness of life and light, entrusting in your great compassion. May you shed the foolishness in myself, transforming me into a conduit of love. May I be a medicine for the sick and weary, nursing their afflictions until they are cured. May I become food and drink during time of famine. May I protect the helpless and the poor. May I be a lamp for those who need your light. May I be a bed for those who need rest and guide all seekers to the other shore. May all find happiness through my actions and let no one suffer because of me, whether they love or hate me, whether they hurt or wrong me, may they all realize true and trusting through other power and realize supreme nirvana. something called a mantra. Anyone? Mantras are words or sounds that are repeated to help our brains concentrate. Mantras help some people in their spiritual practice of meditation. Do you know the story of the little engine that could? Well, in that story, the little engine repeats a mantra. Who remembers it? Yep, it is the phrase, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. That little mantra helped the little engine get up the hill. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. So mantras can help us in many ways. Today, I want to teach you a mantra that a lot of people who practice Buddhism use. This mantra also helps me give compassion and kindness to myself and helps me give compassion and kindness to others. 
So I want you to repeat after me. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I have happiness, health, and safety. Good job. So let's say that again together. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I have happiness, health, and safety. And one more time. May I be filled with loving kindness. May I be well. May I have happiness, health, and safety. Now we can use that mantra for others. So repeat after me again. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you have happiness, health, and safety. Now, let's say that again together. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you have happiness, health, and safety. And one more time. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you have happiness, health, and safety. And lastly, we can say this mantra for all beings in the world. So repeat after me again. May all beings be filled with loving kindness. May all beings be well. May all beings have happiness, health, and safety. And let's say that again together. May all beings be filled with loving kindness. May all beings be well. May all beings have happiness, health, and safety. And one more time. May all beings be filled with loving kindness. May all beings be well. May all beings have happiness, health, and safety. Hmm. So how do you feel after saying that mantra? I know I feel good. So does it feel good for you to say those words to yourself and others? If so, you can keep practicing those mantras this year. So did you know that kindness 
then compassion for others starts with kindness and compassion for ourselves? Well, that is why we say this mantra for ourselves and then for others. So keep practicing loving kindness for self and others in this new year. This is one way we can change the world together. May it be so. found that when I make a New Year's resolution, my motivation for making it closely echoes different stages of my life. When I was much younger, these resolutions were based on others' judgments of me. As a young adult, I would make resolutions that I had nearly or had already reached out of a feeling of insecurity. In more recent years, I've made resolution as a desperate or last-ditch attempt to make a change that is long overdue. For example, Last year, I resolved to limit my social media activity to once a week per social media platform. Once a week, I would check Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. I knew that social media was a source of stress and an unnecessary one. I wanted to become more centered and grounded and use that anxious energy to devote for the benefit of my community and family. But this resolution was doomed almost from the start. 
I tried numerous methods for limiting my access to social media and reminding myself of the resolution I had made. But I found that instead of excising a source of stress, I had actually created a new one. Forcing myself to follow this artificial limit only made me feel guilty for thinking about what I could be missing, and I constantly berated myself whenever I gave in and binge-tweeted. So, before the end of January, this New Year resolution had been jettisoned, and I felt awful about it. What I've come to realize now is that it wasn't the social media usage that was causing my stress, but rather the way I approached it, the way I thought about it, and the outsized effect that I perceived each post, each article, and each opinion had in my life and in the world. When the president committed an outrageous act, it seemed our country was on the verge of collapse. When I read about violent acts happening here in my own state against activists who held my own values, I found myself enraged. And when my friends announced their tragedies, I was heartbroken for each of them. When we spend time on social media and take each post so personally, these events can engulf us. And that's why I was so hard on myself for failing to step away from it. I have not given up on forming New Year resolutions. In fact, I think they are a great way to intentionally, purposefully, stop and spend time reflecting on our goals and habits and think about what is serving us well in our lives and what isn't. If that is as far as your resolution effort goes, that is already enormously beneficial. So why make a New Year resolution at all? Why bother adding this extra pressure on ourselves, especially after the tumultuous year we've just had? Why give our inner critic an opportunity to tell us how terrible we are for failing again? My idea for a resolution is based in actually confronting that guilt, I feel, and I believe most of us feel, when we failed yet another New Year resolution. I propose that we make a resolution together, one that we can't fail because it is a daily inner practice rather than a measurable goal. It's a resolution that will be a benefit to us and everyone around us. It may, and I believe it will, bring a sense of peace when we have undergone a great deal of individual and collective stress and trauma. This personal resolution is to implement a regular practice of self-compassion. In other words, practicing seeing your own suffering with compassion instead of with apathy, or, as is too often true of our inner voice, cruelty. If I were to travel back in time to that January when I determined to restrict my social media activity, how would I have approached that goal self-compassionately? Well, first, let's explore what I mean by self-compassion. Well, what is compassion? Most dictionaries define compassion as an awareness of others' distress alongside a desire to alleviate that stress. In general, everyone has some level of compassion, excluding those with a form of psychopathy, of course. We all feel a sense of compassion when we see another human being experiencing moments of suffering. And when we see animals suffering, we feel compassion. But 
Why do we feel that? We are probably evolutionarily hardwired to feel this way because we've always depended on the compassion of others for our survival. As we are aware, no other creature on the planet requires the care and attention that a young human being requires in order to survive. We need compassion. As human beings, we require it. And yet, we don't extend compassion to ourselves. We are so harsh on ourselves. Have you ever noticed how much kinder we are the further out we go from our inner circle? We're harsher on a friend than we are on a stranger, and harsher on a family member than we are on a friend. And ultimately, we're just ruthless on ourselves. It's just easier to feel compassion the further out we go from ourselves. As a practice, if we want to increase our compassion for others, and if you are interested in or passionate about Unitarian principles, then that is the case. We should start with ourselves. Because if I'm capable of deep compassion for myself, then that expands outward. The Stoic philosopher Seneca wrote in his letters to Lucilius that, quote, I have begun to be a friend to myself. That was indeed a great benefit. Such a person can never be alone. You may be sure that such a man is a friend to all mankind. However, when we think about working on compassion or developing compassion, we often start by thinking outside of that ring. What can I do for someone else first? And of course, having compassion for others is a wonderful thing. But I would like to use an illustration by Hierocles, a second century Stoic philosopher, to demonstrate how we can better serve others by treating ourselves compassionately. This idea of rings is not my idea, but one Hierocles used to illustrate his understanding of oikiosis which he understands as the distance from the self as a standard by which we may measure the strength of our ties and therefore our duties toward other people. I'd like to break in here to clarify the distinction between compassion and love. I'm not saying that we love strangers more than we love our own family. I'm saying we often have more compassion for them. For example, if we see that a stranger is walking along and texting, not watching where they're going, and they run into a light pole, we might run over and see if they're okay. If our spouse, for example, is texting and not looking where they're going, and they run into a light pole, we may have to stifle a few giggles before we ask them, are you okay? And then we chide them for walking while texting. Let's say that we could use a formula to measure the strength of these rings. And again, this is Eurocles theory. And the further out the rings go from you, the easier it is to extend compassion. And let's multiply by 10 to imagine the amount of work it is to feel compassion from the outside in, starting from the outermost ring, what I personally think of as the ring of activism, 
It's 80 out of 100. Then 60 out of 100 for our friends. 40 out of 100 for family members. And about 20 out of 100 for the self, for me. So if I want to increase my compassion for others, and I increase my self-compassion by three, for example, and watch how that ripples out, we see how much our compassion for our circles are strengthened by improving how we treat ourselves. This is a thought experiment, but instead of working from the outside in, what if we work from the inside out in developing compassion? In this way, our compassion for others is rooted in self-compassion. Compassion for others could or would be a natural extension of the compassion we hold for ourselves. Compassion for others can be a natural extension of the compassion we hold for ourselves. I first encountered this new idea of self-compassion as reverence for others in my readings of the Stoics, but it's when I came across the concept again when reading a poem by a Buddhist minister that I not only wanted to make this a part of my own practice, but I also wanted to share this idea. In Buddhism, there is a concept that means both compassion and self-compassion, among other things, and that word is karuna. The term refers in part to cultivating a desire to lessen the suffering of others through personal mindfulness. And this effort creates happiness in one's present life. Over time, though, our concepts, ideas, and beliefs can alienate us from this state of karuna, of compassion. And in our high-pressure culture of self-criticism, we cease to extend karuna to ourselves and we eventually forget how to do it. This is tragic, both for our individual mental health and for how we treat each other. This affects how we extend or don't extend compassion to others, which is something we all believe is so important right now, especially in our volatile times. So, part of the spiritual practice, according to Buddhism and numerous other ancient and not-so-ancient practices and philosophies, is to increase that state of compassion to include all living beings, and perhaps especially ourselves. There's an expression that comes from the four immeasurables of Theravada Buddhism. May all beings have happiness and the cause of happiness. May they be free from suffering and the cause of suffering. And that idea is, again, rooted in this practice of increasing self-compassion. How can we return to a mindset where self-compassion is a part of our daily lives? Cultivating self-compassion will require a resolution on your part, whether or not you resolve to practice it now in the new year or at some later point. One of the foremost scholars on self-compassion today, Kristen Neff, published numerous academic studies on the concept of self-compassion. And since then, her work and the work of others have created new inroads in the field of psychology because of the distinct benefits of this way of thinking, of this practice. And this mindset is centered on this idea, treating yourself with the same compassion you extend to other people and not letting the voice in your head 
say crueler things about yourself than you would ever dream of saying to a friend or those in your outermost circle. In her 2011 book, Self-Compassion, Dr. Neff carefully points out that we are not discussing self-esteem or some idea of entitled plodi based on external merit. Instead, self-compassion means to actively respond to our own suffering with the compassion we would extend to a friend who would be suffering. So, to return to my resolution from the beginning of this talk, I were to travel back in time to that January when I determined to restrict my social media. How would I have approached that goal differently, self-compassionately? Well, I believe that if I were to act self-compassionately, I would probably not have made that resolution in the first place. Instead, I may have
A Blessing for Risk-Takers and Failures by Robin Tanner Today we share a blessing for losers, risk-takers, all failures far and wide. Blessed are they who fall in the mud, who jump with gusto and rip the pants, who skin the elbows and bruise the ego, for they shall know the sweetness of risk. Blessed are they who make giant mistakes, whose intentions are good, but impact has injured, who know the hot sense of regret and ask for mercy, for their hearts will know the gift of forgiveness. Blessed are they who have seen a D or an F or a C or any letter less than perfect, who are painfully familiar with the red pen and the labels as less than for they know the wisdom in the imperfect. Blessed are they who try again, who dust off, who wash up, who extend the wish for peace, who return to sites of failure, who are dogged in their pursuit, for they will discover the secret to dreams. Blessed are they who refuse to listen to the naysayers, for their hearts will be houses of hope. Blessed are they who see beyond the surface of another, for they will be able to delight in the gift of compassion. Blessed are they who stop running the race to help a fellow traveler, who pick up the fallen, who stop for injured life, for they shall know the kindness of strangers. Blessed are they who wildly, boldly abandon winning, for they shall know the path of justice. Peace, my friends.
A few announcements before our worship ends today. If you are a newcomer to our congregation through these video worship services, I invite you to connect with us even further through our Facebook page or through our website. And if you have any questions about what you've experienced here, please feel free to email any questions you might have or email me with a request to set up a video chat at some point. I would love to meet you and talk to you about our community here. The links for all of those are found in the service notes below this worship. And everyone, please join us this coming Thursday the 24th for our special Christmas Eve video service that will debut on our YouTube channel starting at 5 p.m. on the 24th. This service will have special music and our home movie Christmas pageant that I've been touting and blessings for the season. And we will also have a special collection for the minister's, minister's discretionary fund this year as we do every Christmas Eve. The discretionary fund allows me to make emergency gifts to people in need throughout the congregation and throughout the wider Los Alamos community. This past year, thanks to your previous generosity, I have handed out almost $1,500 in aid this year, including aid for rent and utilities to keep people housed and warm in these difficult times. This coming year promises to bring even greater need about, and we need your donations now more than ever. The fund account is now open on our GiveLify app and will remain open for at least the next several weeks. Download the app today to make your gift or use the link in the service notes below. You can also, for this collection, make out a check to the church and drop it off in our mailbox. Please write Christmas Eve in the memo line for that so we know where to send it. And thank you in advance for your generous spirits. Our offering for the month of January is taken up for the Esperanza Shelter in Santa Fe. Since 1975, Esperanza Shelter has been providing shelter and support to those threatened by domestic violence and encouraging healthy relationships in the community in Santa Fe and the eight northern pueblos. 100% of all monies collected this month will be given to the shelter. Use your GiveLify app on your mobile device or use the link in the service notes below to make your donation. Thank you for your generosity. May what you give bring you joy and into deeper relationship with your community.